0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, this is Dave at Opposing the Matrix, and it is 1210 a.m. on the uh, 7th of uh, December. Wow, December 7th, the day that will be remembered in infamy. It's Pearl Harbor Day, just realized it, very early in Pearl Harbor Day, but um, anyway, I've been doing a lot of thinking lately. In my case, that could be uh, dangerous. Um, but uh, I think that we all need to start doing a lot of thinking because there's a lot of things coming down the Turnpike here. Hey, Turnpike, yeah, that's a New Jersey term. Um, and the things that are coming down the Turnpike are going to cause us to make decisions that may or may not be popular with our loved ones or with our coworkers it may be they may be decisions that make us uh outlaws um, depending on the situation um, right now the united states and i guess the rest of the world if you want to put it that way is is in a flux situation uh right now we don't know what's going on here in the united states we uh I'm sure there are people that do know what's going on. I think it's kind of strange that uh, when Rudy Giuliani is uh, really uh, amping up and getting in gear to do all this um, court fighting that all of a sudden he comes down with COVID, I don't think that was an accident. I think it was done deliberately. He's an older man, and we need to keep him in our prayers because older guys get affected by it earlier, easier than, um, than younger people. Uh, younger people tend to get it lighter and get it over with, um, which which is interesting. And there's another interesting thing, too. Um, I'll get off on a little rabbit trail. Gee, never done that before. Um, it turns out that a study was done in China, and studies have been done, um, small studies, uh, all over, actually. And uh, it turns out that people that have uh, type O blood um, do not... Get COVID as easily, or if they do get it, they do not get it. I should say we, because I'm one of them. We do not get it as severely as people that have type A blood. Seems to hit t- people with type A blood pretty hard. So I would, I would advise you if you're, to you have type A blood that you wear a mask all the time. And, um, I would advise everybody to wear a mask all the time, actually. Uh, you know, when you're uh, around, around other people. And if you knew who was saying that you you would you'd really be surprised because I don't believe in that mass crap. But uh, you know, having had this uh, condition twice now I think, um and having long haulers, which is still plaguing me to this very day, um and in January it'll be a year since I had my first case of uh COVID nineteen or February and um but I've been plugging along pretty well, you know. I have my times where, you know, I, I have a little bit of a fever, and um, I always have shortness of breath. I think it did something to my lungs. I really do. Um, and uh, and there's a few other symptoms that that crop up every once in a while, and usually all at the same time, which is weird. Uh, it's it's weird because I was talking with a a coworker texting last night and and they said that uh and I'll always say they because I don't want to say he or she because frankly I don't want any of you guessing if you happen to work with me or my same workplace I don't want you guessing who it is okay they um they said that they their their uh, that was a really good day, real stupid their spouse picked it up at uh I guess his workplace and gave it to them who in turn gave it to another family member who's quite old and um the other person's not doing very well. Um that kind of concerns me because I really care for my coworker. They're a very nice person, very caring. Um, and uh to see them to see one of somebody that you care for um, hurting that way is just not a good thing. Anyway, um, I asked them today what type blood they have and they said type O. Uh which means that her her gosh, uh, they did it. Oh well. Um, her father probably has a 50/50 chance of having O and their mother probably did have O. So um so Anyway, um if you have typo, you'll probably if you do get it, you'll probably get over it a lot quicker. Uh even if you're an older person, I'm still in my early 60s and yeah, I've had my my times. You know, I still have my shortness of breath and and things like that. And uh, I ran a fever last night, believe it or not. And uh but I just ran it for that night and then it was okay this morning again. So, um uh, Oh, I mean, you know, I, I my HMO is checking me for everything. You know, people knock Kaiser permanente um quite a bit, you know. Oh, I had bad experiences there. Well, you know, this is life in a world that's dying. You're gonna have bad experiences no matter what you do and no matter where you go. And you know, I and I agree that there are some times that you you um you pick a doctor or you pick a lawyer or I was going to say an Indian chief, um, but, um, you know, and they're, they're not the best person in the world, but it's not, you know, I'm not going to knock the whole Indian tribe for picking a bad Indian chief and I'm not going to knock the whole system for getting a two, one or two bad doctors in the whole system. Sometimes, um, Providence runs that way. Um, and lawyers, well, what do you say about lawyers? Anyway, um. So, I made a bunch of notes here. Um, so 2020 has been a pretty crappy year for me. I, um uh, I started, you know, <laughs> it started out really nice. Went down to Florida and spent some time with my mom and, uh, you know, less than a week because that's all I had. Um, but you know, my wife and I went down there and we had a really nice time and then on the way back, because, well, early January is when we started to hear about COVID. February is when it was. We were told it was a pandemic. But um, I don't know if I told you ever told you the story, but I will. Um, so we we took a flight from um, Orlando and we had to connect in O'Hare and then fly from O'Hare to Eugene, uh, or Eugene, Oregon. And um, so you know, the, as is usually the case, in, in my case anyway, is um, they drop me off at one terminal, on my flight that leaves leaves two terminals over, so I have to usually walk or or take the tram or whatever mode of transportation they have if they have it. Um, that's why I like smaller airports like Eugene or or um, oh, what is it? Albuquerque has a really nice airport, small. Sacramento has a nice small airport. Um, anyway, um, so we get to our gate, and when we get to our gate. Uh there's a woman laying there on a stretcher and she's got oxygen on. And I'm like, oh, what's this all about? You know? And you know, we back then COVID was a brand new thing to us, so we didn't know anything about it. We thought maybe she had a heart attack or she had a bad asthma attack or uh maybe a panic attack because she didn't like to fly. Who knows? You know? Um so, you know, we didn't think anything about it. We sat down and, you know, God knows where she would have sat when she sat down. But anyway. Um so we got on the plane and um, we were able, I think it was on the plane. We were able to watch the news and they were starting to talk about COVID. And they talked about how the, one of the first confirmed cases uh, was at O'Hare airport that day. <laughs> so um, anyway, it was women had been traveling from the, to the far East. And um, so we, uh, we got home. We didn't think anything about it. You know, we still didn't think, you know, what's the chances of her being the one, you know, out of those hundreds of thousands of people that would have been at O'Hare Airport that day. <laughs> you know, anyway, and I still don't know if it was her. Who knows? But um, so that was we got back, I think, on the 13th and um, we. uh Right around the 1st of February, I think it was the 3rd of February, I got sick and so did my wife. And it was, um, if it was a flu, it was a flu like I've never had before. Um, you know, there was a lot of congestion, Uh mostly down um, from the throat down. Started out with a sore throat. Um, then it went to a fever. And the fever was, was interesting. It was probably about 102.6 or something like that. It was in the high to mid to high range of 102s. And, um, but it only lasted for a couple of days and then I seemed to get better, but uh, the cough was terrible. I must have coughed for a few weeks, but at one point when I coughed, um, I was afraid to cough because I, um, when I had coughed one time before, prior to that, it felt like my, uh, I, I kid you not, if your lung can separate from somewhere inside your body, that's what it felt like. It felt like something tore down in my right lower lung. And um, so I was afraid to cough after that, which is not good. <laughs> You're supposed to cough when you have the urge to cough. Um, it, it really, it's good for you to cough because it exercises your lungs and it, um it keeps blood flowing to your lungs and and, and things like that. So it's uh, coughing is not a bad thing. I know we try to suppress it when we can. I mean, when it gets really bad or like what I had. Uh, so one of the first things I did is I went up to the Kaiser Hospital up in Salem, and I explained to them everything I just told you, and... Um, I said, I don't know if I've got the thing. You know, I really don't. But I figured this is kind of a strange sickness. I've never been sick like this before, so I wanted to come get it checked out. Well, back then, they didn't know very much about it. They knew enough to keep me isolated. Um, And uh, when the doctor finally came in, he said, uh, afterwards, after he would examined me, he said he checked with uh, the director of infection control or something like that. And that it was their opinion that I did not have COVID. But um, I don't know. It sure felt like something I've never had before. Anyway, so as the year progressed, this it gets more interesting. This has basically been the year from hell. (laughs) Um, So uh, in February, I started feeling better. So in, oh, probably, I think it was, it was probably, the 13th or 14th of February, I was walking and reading a piece of paper while I was walking, which is a really dumb thing to do when you're my age. Don't do it because you usually have to wear reading glasses and that distorts everything. So anyway, um, at my workplace, we have uh, concrete benches and they're, um, they're, they're attached to the ground. There's no moving them. And, <laughs> um, my, my, uh, Shin hit one of the corners of one of them and then my foot caught on it. And I went down and I broke one of uh, rib number six on my left side. And uh, it wasn't a, a clean break. It was a fracture. Thank God. Um, but then I got to go see the schmuck of a doctor over, over at Kaiser. He was a workman's comp doctor. And I swear he wasn't there for me. He was there for my employer. Um, and Oregon is weird. If you haven't figured that out yet, then we, you know, you haven't listened to enough of my shows, but, um uh, Oregon is weird as that, uh, like in California, you pay out of your paycheck a small amount every month and it goes to workman's comp. And if you get hurt, um, let's say off the job, if you got hurt skiing and you broke your leg, Well, that's what that workman's comp is for, but employers have to carry workman's comp, too, and that's what pays you if you get hurt. And with California, with all of its faults, and there are, you know, hundreds of thousands of faults of California, but they do take care of the worker better than they do in Oregon. Oregon is a right-to-work state, and uh, they can fire you if they don't like the way you look. That's why unions thrive up here. Um but anyway, um, so I go to see this doctor, and he's like, "Yeah, yeah, you know, you broke, you fractured your rib. You know, it's it's such a small fracture, we can't even see it, you know. But I'm, I'm sure it's fractured." And then I showed him my right leg, you know, right scarred it up, and I showed him my left hip. Well, at work, I wear a walkie-talkie. We have panic buttons, and I'd hit it if I had to. But um I trust the walkie talkie better because I can communicate real quick on a walkie talkie and tell them right where I am. Um, well I was wearing the walkie talkie my on my left pocket and I fell and when I fell I fell on the walkie talkie, which left me a wonderful bruise that went all the way up my hip and all the way down to my left uh uh my the left side of my leg down to my knee and gave me a nice gigantic raspberry on my leg uh which i can still feel to this day um well anyway i went in there and i told the doctor you know i told him about the fall and i told him about the right leg and he looked at that and i told him about the left hip and he never looked at it okay there's there there's the first fault okay you're not a good doctor if you don't look at all the injuries or if you ignore some of them okay that's what told me that this guy was working for my employer and not for me, or wasn't interested in my, um, my physical well-being, but in saving the hospital money. Anyway. So, um, uh, <clears throat> I left that day and, and I was off probably, cause it kept bothering me. I mean, there was times when I had, another thing I complained about is I had spasms underneath my left, um, My left rib cage, all the way under the rib cage. And I told the doctor about it and he ignored that and didn't even include that on the, uh, on the report. So, um, just goes to show you where his, his true allegiance lie, lay or was. (laughs) Okay. Um, anyway, so, um, so, you know, that bothered me. And then I was finally able to go back onto my unit. I think it was in May, the middle of May, but I couldn't go out amongst the population because I could get hurt again. So uh, they had me passing meds and filing papers, stuff like that, which I had no problem with. Actually, it was really nice to be back on my unit because I really liked my crew. And uh, so I did that until I was released, and that was sometime... The end of May, I would say. Well, that, that all came to an end and then June I started getting these fevers and I started getting the shortness of breath. Actually, to be honest, the shortness of breath started in January, it never went away. um, but it continued. I noticed, my goodness, when I'd walk up the stairs, there's a set of stairs and they're very shallow stairs. And I like shallow stairs. I don't know about you. I don't like high-step stairs. But um, there's uh, seven, I think there's seven or, no, there's five rows of uh, stairs, and there's seven stairs in each row, 35 stairs. So well, anyway, by the time I got to the top, um, I would have to stop and take a breath, several breaths, um, and then I could proceed into the building and and go to work. And I didn't like that. Um, it's, it's not, it doesn't affect my job at all, but, um, you know, I have to take the elevator all the time now instead of climbing the stairs. Cause that's, that's a non sequitur, but, um, and I don't like being out of breath. I always kind of prided myself in being kind of a little bit overweight and still having great lung function. And now I don't have it anymore. Anyway, um, so that started in June, and so I'd miss a weekend here, a weekend there. Um, and and then, you know, to their credit, they were really good. Um, I received um, – I think I received 40 hours of uh, paid administrative leave and then 40 hours of uh, COVID leave. That was the money that the government gave to the state of Oregon, where they actually spent it in the right way. But um, – But after a while, you know, it would be where I'd go to work, and, you know, they they ask you a series of questions when you get into work, you know, and and I'm not going to lie, you know, I've never liked liars, and I'm not going to lie. So I'd get in there, and they'd say, well, you know, you had any fever, and I'd say, yeah, a couple days ago, and shortness of breath, yeah, I've constantly got that, and well, you know, if you've had a fever a couple days ago, we're going to have to send you home for three days. So, well, that's what you got to do. And they were always paying me the MPL. Um, I had a, a certain supervisor that was a fantastic supervisor and, and, um, he always helped me out in that regard. Um, the person that I'm working with now is, is, is adequate, but, um, I still think, uh, they're learning their ropes. Let's just say that. I'll say that, okay. Anyway. Um, and the ropes change all the time, okay? <laughs> Sometimes they're throwing you down a hemp rope and other times they're throwing you down a nylon rope. And believe me, climbing one or the other is, is a totally different thing. But anyway. So um, so that was back in June, and this this has persisted until now. Um and it's, uh, now they're changing the rules. Now that COVID's getting really bad at work, it used to be, it, it wasn't that bad. You know, I mean, there weren't that many people that had it. And, uh, they were very liberal with giving the money out, I guess. But, um, now that things are getting bad and there's, I think there's like, well, I don't know. I don't want to put numbers out there and scare people. But anyway, there's quite a few staff that have come down with, uh, with COVID or they're doing a, they realize that they could get a weekend off. You know, I don't know what they're doing, but um, anyway. Um, so now they're they're changing it to where they'll pay you for the first day, but um, every day after that, you have to use your sick leave or vacation. Now there's there's some people like me that have used that up because um, you know they don't pay they only pay you for 72 hours, and when you work 80 hours a week, you know that leaves 10 hours. Or, then what? Technically it leaves, uh, eight hours. So that chews away at your vacation. It chews away at your, every other thing that you have saved up. Now, uh, which leaves you with nothing after a while. So, um, so now they're changing the rules to that. You know, they'll pay for the first day and everybody's got to use their sick time, their vacation time and everything else after that. Which is, you know, kind of bass, backwards when you think about it. Because they've been, they've known or been told that there's going to be a second wave of this thing coming on. And they've known it since probably April, but they didn't, they didn't um, make any provision for, for paying people when they're out. So they paid a few people, myself and others, you know, when we were out for a while. But now that there's more people out, they don't have the money. So, again, it's backwards and I, I don't know who makes these decisions for the state, but you got a democratic state that doesn't like Trump and Trump wants to offer him money and they don't want to take it. And I don't know, it's just real screwy. But anyway, so i have been putting up with that now. And, um, so now it's December and this year is almost over with. And, uh, we, we had a kind of screwy election and, um, some states, it's pretty evident, cheated in the election. Um, and if you don't believe that, then, you know, I don't know what to tell you. You're not going to believe a lot of things, I guess, that are real in life. Um, but, um, yeah, there's there's probably about six or seven states that cheated in the election. There were probably more. But, um, you know, we, we don't need to check all of them, just the ones that are quite obvious, And we won't go into that whole thing, but um, it's causing a lot of um, anxiety within our society. Um, One thing I've noticed and I mentioned in one of the the past shows is that the liberals have been very quiet about all this. Usually liberals are like, you know, they'd be, oh, that damn Trump, you know, he's, you know, he's making a big stink about all this. But, you know, the people at work have been very quiet. and That's kind of freaky because we have a lot of liberals at work. A lot of conservatives too, but uh, the, liber- the conservatives more or less we we try to keep our mouth shut, where we if we're going to talk, we talk somewhere where uh, we know that we're alone, you know, and we won't offend anybody. God forbid you offend anybody anymore nowadays. But anyway, um, so um, anyway, uh, so supposedly they're coming out with a vaccination real soon for COVID-19 several different companies are coming out with it and I know that Bill Gates is involved with at least two of these companies I think he's involved with Moderna and uh, Pfizer and lo and behold Moderna and Pfizer are the two that are coming out with the vaccine first and you know there's been there's been conspiracy theories about how they're gonna what they're gonna do that there's there's junk in the uh, and the vaccine itself, uh, fetal cells and stuff like that, that don't need to be in there. And uh, you ever stop to think about it, that if they inject you with in fetal cells they and they're human fetal cells, they've, they've actually injected you with another person and you're probably, you could be considered a cannibal. <laughs> um, because technically you've absorbed another person into your body and that's what you do when you eat. So just something to think about. Um, those of you who usually listen, know that I sometimes take a drink of coffee, but because of what's going on, I want to stay hydrated. So, uh, I'm not doing a commercial or anything, but there's this, whenever I go to the store, I go to the Mexican section and, uh, they have this, it's it, the food there is a lot cheaper in the Mexican section. It's just as good as a regular American food. And, and, uh, I've always liked nectar drinks. Uh, when I was a kid, I used to love to drink apricot nectar. Okay. Some of you might call it apricot. Okay. Tomato, tomato. Anyway, um, they, there's this brand there. It's called Jumex, or I guess if you were to say it in Spanish, it'd be Jumex. Um, and they have a mango nectar that is out of this world. That comes in this, um, that would say like a cardboard container. Um, and so what I'm doing to keep hydrated I'm drinking water and I'm drinking this um the mango nectar it um I think it has a lot of vitamins in it it's got um la 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 vitamin d oh zero micrograms well, I take that anyway it's got lots of calcium it's got potassium in it. I take that anyway <laughs> um. It's got sugar in it. I guess that's not the best for me, but, um, it's right now, uh, coffee is a, is a diuretic and I don't want to be peeing all night. So I'll drink juice. So hold on a second. Oh, is that good? It was an outreach to my, um, first wife. I had never had mango before and she was from Mexico and, uh, she introduced me to mango. I like the fruit. I like the juice better. That's pretty, pretty well with all juices and fruits. But anyway, um, but, uh, she used to make, cause we didn't drink. I'm not, I've always been a well, since I was about 19, I've been a teetotaler and, um, I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't take drugs unless the doctor gives them to me. Um, and, um, So um, this mango stuff, is (laughs) mango nectar, is really good. And um, uh, with a lot of juices, you get, it's like water, and I don't like that, but this has got a little bit of a body to it. And um, it's really good, and it's really inexpensive. And another thing you might want to consider, I don't like high fructose corn syrup. I think it's poison. And they use it in American soft drinks and stuff because we have an embargo against Cuba. And Cuba was one of our biggest, um, we we imported a lot of uh, sugar from Cuba. And if you were my age or older or even a little younger than me, you remember Coca-Cola used to taste a lot different because they put sugar in it, not high fructose corn syrup. And um, what high fructose corn syrup does, it fools your body. It uh, makes your body think that you're drinking sugar, but it's not sugar. And then your body doesn't know what to do with it, so then it takes it and stores it in your liver. And that's why a lot of us have fatty livers. Uh, we've been eating all this high-fructose corn syrup all these years. So when I go shopping, I look at everything that's sweet and even things that aren't sweet have it in it. Um, I always look for, it'll say HFC... Or it'll just be honest and say high-fructose corn syrup. Even if it says corn syrup in it, I don't drink it. I don't know. I just don't feel comfortable about that. Um, but I, I said that to say this, that if you like Coca-Cola, that the Coca-Cola that comes from Mexico has sugar in it, does not have uh, high-fructose corn syrup. So um, I think it would probably be a little safer to drink than regular Coca-Cola that comes from the United States or and or maybe Europe. Although Europe probably still uses sugar too, it's just because we have a beef with uh, Cuba that we have to be poisoned <laughs> with high fructose corn syrup. Anyway, um, so let's get into the, the COVID-19 vaccinations. There's been a lot of people that are saying, you know, that there's there's fetal cells in it, and there's there's other stuff in it. Uh, there there may be mercury in it. I'm not sure. Um, and that would be in the form of thimerosal, a lot of times they use that as a preservative. Um, I haven't really looked at what's what's in it. Um, I haven't seen any package inserts because they haven't sent any packages out yet. I know the one from Moderna was supposed to be just refrigeratable and that uh, they could send it out and and it could be administered a lot quicker than um the one from Pfizer, Pfizer has to be kept frozen until just before it's given and then it's thawed out, and given to you. Um, that may be better. Maybe maybe that means it doesn't have Fimerosal in it, you know. Um, so anyway, uh, so the whole thing was that uh, this vaccine was going to. Uh, some people were calling it the mark of the beast, uh, that the government was going to force you to take it. Well, first of all, the mark of the beast is going to be a choice. OK, the Bible's quite clear about that. It's going to be a choice that um, and you're going to be presented with the choice. OK, it's not going to be forced upon you. Um, like they're saying that the um, the uh, vaccinations are going to be. Um, and it's going to be on your right hand or forehead and uh, or in your right hand or forehead and the um the muscle that's over up by your shoulder is nowhere near your right hand or forehead, so um anyway, so I was wondering you know how they if there is gonna be some kind of marker in this so that they can check people, how is it gonna get into you? you know is it gonna be like nanobots or something <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> or something that you know they'll be able to read well that that would be a very expensive drug to make. And they're putting this stuff together pretty quick. Um, so I've kind of dismissed that it's going to be some kind of nanobot that they're going to put into your body. Although, you know, who knows? <laughs> I'm not there watching them make it and uh, anything's possible. Um, I came across an article today and I can't remember where it was. So forgive me. But it said that the... Uh, the uh, Tracking device, was what they were calling it, is actually going to be in a syringe. Okay. So we, being in pharmacy all the years that I've been in pharmacy, I'm not anymore, of course, but I do know that they usually don't pre-fill syringes. Um, I mean, they do for some medications. Some psychiatric medications are pre-filled, but they're packaged really really carefully and and you have to uh, really do a lot of preparing to give them even though they're supposed to be easier to give and they're long acting and they they last up to a month before you have to give another shot which is good if you're if you're getting psych meds you know you don't want to be getting injected every week um, but um, but anyway uh it comes the the kind that come with that those kind of meds have two needles in them because they're, there are um, obese people and there are skinny people and you don't want to be sticking a two-inch needle into a skinny person because they don't have that much fat on their rear ends. Uh, so you use an inch and a half needle. And so, anyway, this, so they're saying that this tracking device is going to be in the needle or in the syringe. Okay, so, If they're going to prepackage it and send it out that way, how do you prepackage something and freeze it in the syringe and then take it out? I don't see that happening, okay? I just don't see that being a possibility. Um, There are all kinds of things that could go wrong because plastic does weird things when it freezes. So, you know, you could have leakages, you could have breakages of the plastic, you could have precipitation of the drug inside the syringe, which would be very bad for you. Um, there's just a, a lot of bad things. That's why they put, uh, most, um, flu shots and stuff in, in either single dose or multi dose glass vials, because glass doesn't affect things that, that badly. So, um, when this thing comes out, it'll probably come out in a, with a vial. Multi dose or single dose, and um, the multi dose will probably have some kind of preservative in it. Um, the single dose, they say, of the flu shot doesn't have it, but I don't believe it because if you read the package inserting uh, that are in, that that's in, especially the one I read the last time, um, they supposedly put the thimerosal in. And then they take it out to make the single dose vials, and I'm like, well, why don't they just make the single dose vials first, and then add the thimerosal afterwards to the multi dose? Because you know, with the multi dose, you, you're not going to use the whole vial maybe, and you're going to stick it in a refrigerator for a couple of days, and you know, you want that thimerosal in there to, to so that the um, the drug can can, can retain its um, purity so to speak, <laughs> to say that the vaccination's pure just kind of blows my mind. But anyway, um, so if it does come in a syringe, um, I do think that it'll come in a, it, that they'll, they will ship the syringes with the glass vials and that then they will draw up the, the dose into the, um, the plastic syringe and then inject it that way. It's probably going to be something where you can suck the stuff in, but then when you push the plunger down, um, it'll come out and go into your arm. Okay. And it can make them pretty small now, uh, to where you wouldn't even know it was going through the needle and going into your arm. So, there's a solution for that. A <laughs> really good, easy solution. You find a pharmacist friend, you find a doctor friend, you find a, any kind of friend that uh, has access to needles, you find out what kind of needle they're using to give the vaccine and you bring in your own needle and say I want to use this needle I don't want to use the needle that was shipped with it, I don't care what's in it if there's any preservative or anything in it, do not give me that needle, just use this one, and if they say no, then you walk out okay, so there's a solution to where if they're going to force it on you and the marker is definitely in the the uh syringe you can get away with it okay without getting a marker um now i don't know what's in the the actual preparation itself but um see we're all gonna have to make decisions i'm a healthcare worker i'm gonna be one of the first ones that's gonna be told i need to take this um unless i have antibodies okay that would be really nice um but if I don't have the antibodies for some reason, if because I have typo blood, my body fought it off some other way, it just wouldn't let the virus take over and um, I didn't develop the antibodies, then, you know, I'm SOL and I'm, you know, they're going to tell me I need to take it. So what do I do at that time? Okay. Now I've got a lovely wife. I've got three stepdaughters, and I've got 16 grandkids. If this thing does something to me or I'm not around, I'm not a provider anymore. Let's see, this is something I'm struggling with, okay? This is something I can't tell you to make up your mind about because I'm struggling with it myself. So if they demand that I take it and I say no, well, they're probably going to point to the door and say, well, you don't work here anymore. <laughs> um, I have a good union. Well, I have a union, so they probably make some kind of provision. But like I can decline the flu shot. The only caveat is that if the flu ever comes around our unit, I have to wear a mask all the time and wash my hands. Hey, I do that now anyway, right? Uh, but um, with the COVID-19, I don't know. So do I not take it, and get fired and lose my house and uh, lose our vehicles and have to move in with uh, one of our kids who's probably not going to take it either? Um, and what's going to happen when they don't take it? You know, are we going to be street people? Um, or do I take it and make myself the pariah, so to speak, and. You know, if anything happens, it happens to me and nobody else, and everybody else can continue to thrive and live on. Um, is that something I'm willing to do? Well, you know, I kind of am. Um, it's you know, uh, what did what did um, Kirk and Spock say? The need of the many outweigh the need of the few, and that's a biblical thing too, by the way. Um, my life, I've lived a fairly good life. You know, I had good parents. I never lacked for work. Well, very rarely anyway. Um, I've had fairly well everything that I've always ever wanted. You know, I mean, <laughs> to be quite honest, I've always wanted a Ferrari or a Maserati and I've never been able to afford one. So I can't really say I've had everything I wanted, but I've, I've been provided for by by Yehovah by by the Lord and um, quite well over the last forty years. And um, so, if something were to happen, if I did have to take the vaccination and something happened, I first of all I know I'm going to heaven. I know that this isn't the mark of the beast. Um, although I'll just be a casualty. And then when a lawsuit comes around, my wife can sue and then get a lot of money. Um, second of all it would be a an accidental death or dismemberment in a clause so you know she she'd make out quite well actually um but um so see there's there's one of the things we have to we have to really consider and think about you know i know there's a lot of people right now that oh i'm not taking that that shot no matter what you know we'll think about something, if you're like me, if you're a nurse or you're a, a healthcare provider or a healthcare worker and you're a believer in Yeshua and, and you know, you have to take this thing and, and you can get around it by offering your own syringe and stuff like that, and, um, then uh, think about all the people that wouldn't get help if you weren't here, you know, Um, there are very, very few Christians that are healthcare providers anymore. Um, well here in Oregon anyway, I don't know (laughs) back where Eric lives in, in South Dakota. That's probably all there is believers, but, um, you know, so is there, is there still people on God's docket list, so to speak, that I need to talk to? and give the gospel to, you know, um, if I were to lose my job because I decided not to take the vaccine and, I, those people were patients that I was supposed to talk to or, or interface with or something like that, you know, if, see, there's so many things to think about. <laughs> it really is. And, um, It's a very, 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 very hard decision to make. And, um, personally, if I could get the Regeneron like the doc, like, uh, Trump got, um, you know, I'd have to get sick first, but, or maybe because I have been sick, I can get it and it'll work. But, um, I prefer that because that's not an RNA, um, a DNA changing drug, um, so anyway, let's move on. I don't want to dwell on that too much. It's kind of a bummer subject to talk about. But it's a it's something that we're all gonna have to make a decision for, you know? Um for me it's family first. You take care of your family and if if it means going to work with the sniffles, um or or anything else, you know, uh limp limp. <laughs> I've got a... I've got knees. i got bad knees. And they go out on me every once in a while. And I end up limping around. I still go to work. Okay. I, I limp around while I'm walking. I don't, you know, take the time off. Um And it hurts like crazy. But I still do it. You know, um I've worked with AFib before. I don't do it so much anymore because of my age and increased morbidity and that. But... When I was younger I worked with AFib all the time and uh, waited for it to resolve itself or when it got zapped, you know. Um, so there are things that we can work with that affect us that you know aren't aren't dire. So anyway, um, let's move away from that. Um, let's look at the fact that the fact i don't want to say it's a fact but the possibility now i don't think this is going to happen i think that either the courts or the state legislatures we're, we're going to have the same president we've got right now um this whole cheating thing this lying thing and everything else that the democrats and the leftists have pulled off is quite evident and it's um You know, it's going to go to the Supreme Court, and if it doesn't work there, it's going to go to the state legislatures, and it'll pass because I think there's 35 Republican state legislatures in this country, leaving 15 Democratic. Um, And last time I counted, 35 was a lot greater than 15, and uh, they'll vote them in. So I'm not worried about Trump not getting in, but at the remote possibility that let's just say Trump has a heart attack tomorrow and falls down and drops dead. Uh, yes, Pence can still assume the office if they found out there was fraud. Um, I don't know how good of a president he would make, but let's just say maybe that they were both killed somehow. I don't know. Um, and another election happened. I think they'd have to do it that way. Um, and I'm assuming that the states have all been straightened out. And it's everything's in Trump's favor. Um, so. And they end up losing and Biden gets the presidency. God forbid. God forbid. And. Um, we're talking about a wicked, evil pedophile here, and um, and his mistress, um, Kamala knee Pads Harris. Um, let's just say that does happen. What's America gonna look America gonna look like when that happens? Because they're gonna reverse everything that Trump ever did. The only thing they can't reverse is the two, the pointing of the two uh, justices. But they'll, they'll put us back in all the old treaties that we were into. Um, the nation will go broke. Uh, Joe Biden wants to keep everybody in a mask for a whole year. Um, and he's made allusions to or the fact that, um, uh, if he sees that uh, Kamala has better ideas than he has, then he's, he's just going to give up the the job and say that he's too sick to work. And uh I think if, what would happen after that is Nancy Pelosi would become the vice president. I'm not sure about that, but I think that's the way it works. Um, <laughs> can you imagine a Harris-Pelosi ticket? People would be begging for the Russians to nuke us. Um, Anyway. So what happens if Biden were to become president? What do we do? Well, I I'm not one to sit idle while my country is being destroyed and dismantled. So I have thought I'm conflicted about this, too. And I've said it many times on, on the radio show here that, uh, my stepdaughters and my grandkids are, and my wife are, are my top priority. And it's my job as a Christian man, as a believer in Yeshua, I should say, to do everything I can to make sure that they have a prosperous future and are not sent to some FEMA camp somewhere where they'll perish and go up in a puff of smoke, so to speak. So do I just allow that to happen? We had a <laughs> there was a guy and I it had to be the Lord that intervened because he got out of this meeting alive. But um we were talking about gun rights one day, and this was down in Sacramento probably oh, maybe a good maybe a good twenty years ago now. Let's see, that would have been around two thousand and seven, seven no, about thirteen years ago. Probably. And uh, we were having a men's Bible study and we were in a some kind of restaurant somewhere. That's back when we were free and you can go into restaurants. Remember that? Um, and we were talking about gun control. and This one supposed Christian, I don't believe he was, just from what I tell you. You probably won't believe it afterwards either, but um, we were talking about gun control and he was for gun control. Said we didn't need them. We didn't need guns. So one of the brothers named Eddie, still my friend, will always be my friend. Hi, Eddie Roper. How you doing, buddy? Um, Eddie says, okay, I'm going to give you a scenario. And you tell me what you would do. You come home. You've got a gun in your house. And your daughter's being raped by some ex-con or something that broke into your house. What would you do? Well, he says, I would probably, I wouldn't fight. It's not a Christian thing to fight. And well, Eddie says, well, you got a gun in the house. You're going to shoot him, protect your daughter. Well, no, you know, this, if it's happening, it probably was meant to happen. And it was all that we could do to keep Eddie from jumping over that table and attacking that guy. (laughs) It was, but there, there are people that think that way. There are. Sick and twisted people that call themselves Christians that would allow their spouse, their daughter, son, or whatever relation to be attacked by somebody else who wouldn't do it because they thought it was God's will that it was happening at that time. Well, I'm sorry, but, you know, and I, I've got a cousin that we don't see eye to eye on a few things now. Um and I'm beginning to wonder about her the first guy I don't think was a believer I think he was a coward and just using Christianity as a um, as an excuse but anyway um, I got a cousin that we we've been talking back and forth and I've actually cut her off a couple times on Facebook because I just couldn't bear to watch what she was posting and but I was send a have mercy and refriend her and stuff like that. And, um, anyway, she was talking about, um, she doesn't like Trump. She doesn't, she thinks that he might be the antichrist (laughs) and we won't go into that. It's impossible. but We won't go into that. Um, and she was talking about how we shouldn't take up arms, Against people that are trying to destroy the Republic. And I wrote her and I said, if if everybody thought the way you did back in 1776, I said, you'd be bound to the queen. <clears throat> and I said, and when Hitler finally took over in 1930s, if that was so, was still going to happen, your cousin, me, would probably be a lampshade on some little girl's nightstand on a lamp on her nightstand because that's what they did with human skin. Um, The Nazis, they made um, lampstands out of, or uh, lampshades out of human skin. Um, Terrible. But, um, and that didn't convince her. And she said, the only commandment that we have is to go out and preach. And I said, well, what about Jesus telling Peter to carry two swords, you know? And right away the you know, she changed the conversation and so I hate it when people lose and they change the conversation. But anyway, um, so do we take up arms against people that are trying to destroy our republic and our way of life and and to make it so we can't go to church anymore and and things like that, or you know, do we cower to them or do we um we fight them? Personally I think we fight them. Um, I, <laughs> there's a reason why God gave us a free Republic. Okay. There's a reason why he allowed it to happen. Let's put it that way. And I don't think he wants us to give it up. Uh The United States right now is a storehouse for the, the, um, the house of Jacob or the house of Ephraim. A lot of people that live in this country belong to Ephraim, the household of Ephraim. And until they all go back to Israel, we will continue to be a storehouse of the household of Ephraim, the lost ten tribes. And, um, that's that. And I'm not going to sacrifice the house of Ephraim so some liberals can run around killing everybody. Now, I'm not going to run out and seek them out. Okay. But if they come to my door, if a mob comes to my door and they want to hurt my wife, if they storm my my daughter's house, she lives far away. But, um, you know, I, I could be there in an hour. Um, if they were to try to storm her house, I, I would be over there and I would be picking them off one by one until they weren't doing it anymore. Sorry, but that's the way it is. Um, that's the way I feel about it. I don't know how you feel about it. Um, but when it comes to me, I don't care what somebody does to me. I really don't. But when it comes to my loved ones, you don't mess with them. Sorry. That's just the way it is. Now, what about civil disobedience? I think it's a Christian's right to perform civil disobedience. I really do. No, I'm not saying that we should throw Molotov cocktails at police. I'm not saying we should take up the tactics of Antifa or anything else. But if we're peacefully assembled and we're protesting something and they tell us to leave and um, and we don't and they throw us in jail, well, I don't see anything wrong with that. Um, I was um, handing out tracts outside a courthouse one day. Now, a courthouse is public property, right? It is, it's, it's, let's say it wasn't a federal courthouse. It was a Solano County courthouse down in Fairfield, California. And I was standing outside far enough away from the building to where people could walk by me. I wasn't forcing the religious literature on anybody. I would just say, would you like to read something? And actually had a sheriff come out and tell me I couldn't do it there. And I said, well, I thought this was public property. Well, you still can't do this here. I didn't know the law well enough, and I walked away. And I went somewhere else. And actually, he did me a favor because where I went, people were more receptive. So it might have been a, actually a divine appointment. <laughs> um, but um, still, you know, nowadays, I would I would question his right to tell me I had to leave. You know? If I'm down at the bottom of the steps in, uh, in Albany, in Albany, Oregon, and I'm passing out tracts, if I were to be doing that and a sheriff were to come out and tell me I had to leave, I'd say no. I'd say I'm practicing my First Amendment rights of free speech. This is public property, and if you want to throw me in jail, well, then I'll put my hands behind my back and you can cuff me. You know, that's what I do. So, okay. <laughs> you want to know if I go into the next one at all, but, um, um, shoot or no shoot. Well, that depends on the situation. I think we just covered a lot of that, right? Already, right? Um, I think shooting's okay in self-defense. I think that if you're seeing your loved ones being, armed in some way, you tell somebody that you, you know, you're armed. And if they don't move away, you're going to shoot them. Okay. Um, There are, you know, I mean, (laughs) if the guy's not armed, first of all, and he's four foot nine, I'm 5'11". I'm going to hand my gun to somebody and go over there and pound them in the dirt, you know, but if the guy is bigger than, than I am, um, much bigger, I'm an old guy now, man, I'm in my sixties. I can't fight like I used to. Um, here's, here's a case in point. Um, uh, my wife and I were driving, we were going up to Albany of all places. Um, I mentioned that a lot, that town. And, um, I noticed some guy was tailgating me pretty bad, you know. And that happens a lot on this highway, and it just ticks me off. Well, what I did is I just tapped the brakes. I didn't even press on them. I just tapped them so the lights came on. Oh, this guy became irate. And finally, he got a chance to pass me, and he got in front of me and slammed on his brakes. Did it two or three times. And I calmly told my wife, I said, my pistol, I have a license to carry. Uh, my pistol is in the glove compartment. Do me a favor and hand it to me because I think we may need it. This guy was hanging out of his car while he was driving. <laughs> I don't, th- I think he was on drugs or something. He had arms on him like tree trunks. The guy could have killed me if he wanted to real easy. So I felt justified. You know, I said, if that guy pulls any annex, I'm showing him the weapon first. If he comes any closer, I'm going to tell him I've got it. I'm going, to, I'm going to pull the slide back and load something into the, uh, load a bullet into the chamber while he's watching. And I'm going to say it's your choice. And if he keeps coming, well, the minute those hands come in that car, that gun's getting discharged. Sorry. Um, so self-defense or protecting somebody that's in harm, I think is a pretty good reason. So, um, like I said, I would never go hunt anybody down. Um, I've got a ex-son-in-law and <laughs> the guy took martial arts and he, he thinks he's top cock now that he took martial arts and, um, he threatened my daughter one day. Um, uh, not going to tell you what he said or what he threatened to do, but so we were having a, more kind of like an intervention. I'm, I'm going to get another drink. My voice is getting a little raspy. Hold on a second, please. Okay. Um, actually, he said he, he had the ability to throw her through the wall, what he said. And I said, I said, Did you say that? And he said, Yes, I did. And I said, Do you think that was a wise thing? He says, well, I was just kidding around. I wouldn't really do it. I was just, you know, trying to prove to her that I had that ability. And I said, hold on a second. I'll be right back. He goes, where are you going? I said, I got my revolver out in my truck, and I'm going to go out and get it, and I'm going to shoot you dead. And he got scared. (laughs) I would have never done it, okay? Promise you. I would have never done it. And... So I saw he was scared, and I sat down, and I said, did that scare you? And he said, yeah, sure did. And I said, well, here's the deal. If you're a 110-pound woman, and you got a guy your size saying that you're going to throw her through the wall, or you could do it. you think that scared her? He goes, yeah. And I said, what do you think about that? And then he got a smile on his face. That's <laughs> just like... Oh, I was like, I should have went out and got it. Anyway, um, but I did And even the guy that was with us, which was uh going to be his future son-in-law pretty soon, or brother-in-law, um, looked at him and said, do you think that's funny? You know, do you think that there, there's some kind of joke with that? And he, then he got kind of straight-faced. Well, we'll know. But you got to understand, this guy did that all the time. That was his... One of his defense mechanisms. It's hard to explain. But anyway, um, it never worked out. Um, The guy continued to be a schmuck. um, And he became a bigger schmuck. And then we realized that he came from a family of schmucks and schmuckettes. And um, my daughter did the wise thing and gave him the boot. Um, Anyway. Unfortunately. Unfortunately, you know, a lot of times in unions like that, they make children. And I'm not saying unfortunately, because I love my grandkids. I really do. But coming from a divorced family myself and with a father that was kind of violent, Um, I understand. And um, unfortunately, you know, I'm glad I was born. Don't get me wrong with that. (laughs) You know, I think I've done a lot, and accomplished a lot. I'm happy with life, but um, if things could have been handled differently, it would have been really nice. And I just feel the same way for my grandkids, if that that if things could have been handled a little differently on his regard, that maybe things would have worked out, you know. And um, unfortunately, he's a schlemiel, a schmuck, a and a schmendrick, and um, all packaged up in one person. And, um, he claims to be a Christian, but I, if he is, then, uh, then Satan's redeemable. That's all I got to say. Anyway, um, again, I would have never gone out to the car and gotten the gun and harmed the guy, but uh, the reaction I got out of him was the one I wanted to get out of him. And and I was trying to make a point, but, uh, when you're speaking with a moron, it's kind of hard to do, you know? It's, um. It's too bad too. Um, the, we talked about this, Jim and I. Um, I think it was before Eric came onto the show. Um, but we talked about uh, when the time comes and public opinion turns against believers, and and I mean to the point where the police get involved and start hunting us down, and the military and everything else. Um, what do we do? Well, I just answered part of it with the shooting part, you know, the self-defense. Um, not just, not just shooting, but there's, there's other ways to defend yourself. There's other weapons. Um, but, uh, we came to the conclusion that God has called different people to do different things. Um, there are going to be those that go out and forage out in the wilderness to try to escape. Um, the problem I see with that is that it's going to be dang near impossible uh, because with all the, the satellites that Elon Musk is putting up there right now, they're not just for communications, okay? <laughs> and if you think they are, then, well, you're deceived. But um, And there are military satellites out there already that can spot uh, that can read letters on a license plate from 20,000 miles out in space. So, um, and they, they do have thermal detecting on them, and they use them a lot in the in the war, to uh, or the various wars that we're in, to detect the enemy and it's right where they are. So if you think you're going to flee and go out to the woods somewhere and hide. Well, unless you live in a cave for three and a half years and you never, ever come out of it, then uh, that's going to be impossible because they'll find you sooner or later. And you'll suffer the same fate as the people that don't do anything, as the people that stay put. Um, the second thing was people that will stay and fight them. Um, that's, that's, you know, I can see that as being a... a a viable alternative. Um, again, if you're doing it to protect your family and stuff like that, you know, I mean, if you if you take the attitude, well, you know, he's Satan and I'm gonna I'm gonna kick his believers' butts. You know, I'm gonna just go out there and blow away everybody that's got the mark of the beast on their head. Well, first of all, it says that they're not gonna die. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, you may shoot them and you may hit them, but, um, they're going to have a new genetic makeup. You don't realize that. Okay. Um, part of the deal is that they're going to receive something that they're going to be promised immortality. And it even says that, um, that the people at, at one point in revelation will see Yeshua coming back in a big. It says, men will look for death, but they will not find it. And I think that might be in Matthew, um, Matthew 24, 25. Um, It says in in Revelations that the last, the rocks on the mountains to fall on them, to kill them, but they will not die. Um, So, you know, fighting something that is a genetically altered human being, maybe slash machine. Maybe slash – maybe it's going to turn them into Nephilim, you know. Maybe it's going to be some kind of angelic DNA that they're going to inject into them. Who knows? Um, And you can't kill angels, sorry. Um, If if you've ever heard the story about the giant of Kandahar, um, if you haven't, here's the deal. There was a a bunch of U.S. soldiers, supposedly, that were in – uh, Afghanistan and the province of Kandahar. And it's um, it's got its mountainous areas. And, um, they heard about the giant of Kandahar. Well, anyway, they went on a patrol out there. And uh, supposedly this... They said he was, I think, 12, 13, 14 feet tall, long red beard, red hair, wearing animal skins. Um, came out of the cave and they tried to kill him. Well, I guess this thing took... <laughs> took half of them out of there before they, the rest could escape. Um, so they sent more people up there, more soldiers, and um, realized that if they fired um, more into the, the neck and the head, that they would they would do more damage, and that's how they ended up killing the thing. And, yes, it was a thing. It wasn't a human. Um, it was a Nephilim. It was an angelic-human hybrid. Um Anyway, you know, and I've always wondered because the Indians always said that if they shot um American Indians, I mean said if if they shot these things, uh let me back up just a little bit um the reason that when they would approach a stranger and raise their hand, you know how Hollywood has them you know going how you know, and then the the white guy raises his hand up and says, "How you know." Well, the reason that they raised their hand up is so that you would raise your hand up and they would count your fingers. If you had five fingers, then they knew you were human. If you had six, they knew you were a Nephilim and they tried to kill you. (laughs) And they would always use, um, as far as I know, uh, copper uh, instruments in order to kill them. Because for some reason, copper um, is more lethal to these beings than, um, than other metals. I'm always wondering if uh that's why our our weapons uh all the bullets are uh copper jacketed just just uh something to throw at you maybe that's for the reason why maybe these things have been uh, uh, have come out before and they've realized that that's all that works um anyway so the third group would be the people that just stay put and when they come to knock on the house they they um they witness to the police. They witness to the mob that's out there. Um, when they get thrown in jail, just like Peter and Paul and Silas and everybody else that got thrown in jail, witness to the prisoners. Um, and then, you know, if they grant you one last request, just give the gospel before they chop your head off. Okay. And and scripture seems to say that the the majority of the people that are around the throne at a certain time are the people that are beheaded for the, their testimony. Um, and I've have written down here, crowd of agitators. And I don't know why I put that there. Oh, maybe it was just, if you run into a crowd of agitators, what are you going to do? Um, I, um, I've advised people here before because I live about two hours south of Portland. Um, and there are areas of, of Oregon that are not Portland that are just as dangerous. Or the people that live in Portland are not confined to Portland and can, you know, travel. <laughs> there are things known as cars and buses. Um and a lot of times that they'll, they'll congregate in areas where, uh, um, not too long ago there was a group of them down in sweet home and, uh, that didn't turn into anything, thank God. But, um, they, uh, I've advised people that if, if you commute to work like I do, that you find five or six or seven or eight different ways to get there. I could think of one, two, Three, four, five, six different ways to get to work other than I-5. Because you know darn well that they're going to be blocking I-5. They're going to block the main thoroughfares. So I want a way to get to work. I'm going to have to fig- be kind of ingenious and figure out how to get there. Uh, what do you do if you run into, you turn the corner and there's a group of these people. Well, if you can get out of there, get the heck out of there. Um if uh, if you can't, then I don't know what you do. <laughs> I really don't. I guess you can kind of fake it and sympathize with them. So yeah, I'm all for that, too. Where do I go stand? You know, and then when they're not looking, get in your car and take off. Um, that probably isn't going to work because they're going to know. Especially if somebody, you know, short hair and stuff like me. <laughs> Most of those are long hair hippie type people. Um or or I don't look like a liberal either, so um liberals have certain looks to them. Leftists do. They usually have wide psychotic eyes and and uh they look like they're all drugged up on something. But um anyway, so you know, just think about what you do if you run into that, because that, that's probably going to happen, too. And I say that because I do think that Trump is going to win. I think he's going to be very successful at proving in court that this election was rigged. And when that happens, there's not going to be a lot of happy people on, this, on the left. They're not going to be happy at all. And um, a lot of them are going to take the violence. If you live in the cities... Now, some of our listeners, uh, live in cities and, um, I've advised them, um, if you have a summer, summer cabin or, uh, cause a lot of people do, you know, a lot of people live in cities, they have a summer getaway. They buy some land out in the country and, uh, you know, two two or three or four acres with a little cabin on it and maybe a little pond. And, um, if you've got a way to telecommute and, um, and you can go stay at that place, then by all means. I I do it right away. I would have done it months ago actually, but um you're not me and I'm not you. But um anyway I think it's it's very important to uh make plans to get out of the city if you're in a city. Okay. Um all cities. <laughs> and I mean I think anything that has over fifty thousand people that I would say. Um, I would be suspect, you know, now, like where Eric lives in South Dakota, I I don't think he ever has to worry about this at all, unless they were bused in from another area, but anywhere along the West coast, anywhere along the East coast, um, the Gulf coast. Why do liberals like the coast anyway? I don't know. It's, um, I, they, they learned years ago in, in the, um, in the Mediterranean area to move away from the coast because every 720 years, it seemed like there was a, um, some kind of cataclysm that would make the oceans rise and destroy cities. And, um, I don't know if it's 720 or 360. It doesn't happen anymore because of the planet, the way the planets are, have finally settled down in their orbits, but, um, it used to happen a lot. And, um, but if you live near a coast, you know, you're, there's always a chance for a tidal wave. Um, uh, hurricanes happen in the south and in Florida and all along the east coast. Um, I, my dad always said, used to say I'd never live in Florida because someday a tidal wave is going to go right across that state. Now, have you ever been to Florida, it's a big state. That would have to be one heck of a tidal wave. I mean, that thing would have to be about 3,000 feet high. But that's not impossible because there's um, oh, is it the Canary Mountains or the Canary Islands, um, that there is actually a volcano on the Canary Islands where half of the island is starting to slip into the ocean. They say if that ever happens, that there's going to be one heck of a tidal wave on the east coast. Um, I enjoy living on the other side of the mountains <laughs> from the coast. The Mountains afford me a little bit of protection in case the tidal wave does' because as a matter of fact um if you come to, ever come to Oregon and you go to the coast uh there are tidal wave signs all over the place you know this is a, this area is safe from tidal waves this area is dangerous from tidal waves um you know go to follow the the um the tsunami route if um if you hear the alarm, follow the tsunami route to higher ground you know. Um, and people actually want to move to that, that kind of environment. I'm sorry, you know, but, uh, just like the people that build houses on the side of mountains in California and then the rains come and then they, their houses slide down the mountains or they build in, um, an area where there's lots of sagebrush or pine trees and, um, then all of a sudden the fires come and their house burns down <laughs> and Then they build right back up where the house was before. Um, I don't know. I don't understand that kind of mentality, but I don't guess I'm not meant to understand everything, but still. Um so anyway, I just wanted to run a few things by you tonight and I hope I did that and um I just like to make brain food to get people to think and to to help you to maybe consider something that you haven't considered before. Um Yeah, I know a lot of you are probably struggling with the COVID-19 vaccination thing. Um, Probably some of you are are struggling with a a possibility of a Biden presidency. Um, I'm not too worried about that. Um, You're worried about civil disobedience. Well, the other side does it all the time. Just ask people that live in Portland. People are leaving Portland in droves, um, which is bad for people like me because they're moving down by where I live. But um, anyway, um, whether to shoot or not to shoot, that's something that you're going to have to make your mind up when that time comes. What's the danger? What's the situation? Can you talk somebody out of it? Well, showing them a weapon just cause them to calm down and walk away. Maybe they'll cuss at you for a while while they're walking away, but they'll walk away. Um, Will they come back with a group of guys that also have guns? You don't know. Um, Another thing you got to think about. But anyway, um, I, I address these things because all of our lives, we've been told what to think. Okay. We've, we live in a McDonald's world where um, we're given instructions. Um, you know, you drive up to McDonald's, the first thing, what, what do you want? Well, this is what I want. Okay, is the order right? Yes, the order's right. Okay, drive around for the by the first window and pay. So you drive around to the first window and pay. Then you go to the second window, get your food, and you leave. Okay. To me, that's too easy of a society to live in. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I like to think for myself. I like to to make my own decisions. You know, I and I like to know the law well enough to where if I have to make my own decisions, I'm able to make them and and to use the leverage that I that I can use in order to accomplish the purpose I'm trying to accomplish. Um, so being that way, I try to help other people be that way. And um you know, I, I'm I'm not trying to be out of line, I'm not trying to tell you what to do. I just these are things that we need to be concerned about. And I'm sure the list can go down another twenty things, you know? And uh but there's only so many hours tonight. <laughs> and um so I just you know, just think about these things. Think about what you would do. Um, I've always, I've always been the kind of person to think down the road, um, you know, a week, two weeks, a month, two months, six months down the road, you know, um, especially when it comes to paying bills, my goodness, because you never know what's going to happen. You know, you could, uh, we have four dogs, you know, so we could, just have enough money to make it through the month and a dog gets sick and that just really complicates life. Um, So it's, you know, we got to know, we got to know that we have to have more money in the bank than we actually need in order if something like that happens, you know? Um, And it all stemmed from years ago when my, my dad told me um, after they had split up, and it was one of the last times that he actually came to our our apartment. We were living at the time. I saw him a lot afterwards, but he sat me down and he says, I want to tell you something. You're going to have to be the man of the house now. And that hit me really hard because I, when my dad told me to do something, I took it seriously. <laughs> because when we lived with him, you had to take it seriously or else. But anyway... um But I took it seriously because I knew that I was going to be the only guy there, you know, and I had to protect my mother and sister. And um, I always remember um, I went into, we had a light switch that was bad. Um, It was a hall light that went into the bathroom. I can remember like it was yesterday. And um, so I went to the store and I bought a switch. And um, I didn't even know what I was buying. I just went to the store and bought a switch. And I looked at it, and I said, okay, that looks like that, you know. And um, I got shocked the first time, and I remembered about the circuit breakers. I remember my dad going and shutting circuit breakers off when he would do stuff like that. And so I found a breaker that shut that light off, and then I knew that the power was out there. And I just took the wires off, put them back on a new one, it in a wall and it worked right and i remember feeling such a sense of accomplishment when i did that i was probably around 12 or 13 you know that's when i was you know when every young man goes through puberty and you know and uh we we cease being a child and we become a man and um and i just felt that i had done that to to get that sense of accomplishment and to fix the switch of course but also that i was Doing it so that there wouldn't, wouldn't be an electrical fire. And, you know, you, my mother and sister wouldn't burn up an electrical fire. <laughs> so um, anyway, it's it's thinking down the road. It's it's trying to figure out what could what could happen, you know. And, you know, don't don't do it to the point where you drive yourself crazy. But just think about every action that you take and every Remember what Einstein said for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. Um, just think of all the things that could happen when you do something. And boy, if you could do that and you can get that down pat and also learn to trust the Lord at the same time, you've got life whipped by the tail. And I'm saying that as a person that hasn't learned a third part yet all the way. (laughs) Um, so just, uh, just try to not, I know the Lord tells us not to worry about tomorrow. But, you know, I always go back to that scripture where he says, um, if the wise man had known when the thief was going to break in his house, he would have gotten ready for him. You know, and I've always taken that scripture and mixed it with the other scripture about living every day. And realize that, yes, we need to live to, for today and not worry about tomorrow, but that doesn't give us an excuse not to be prepared for tomorrow for things that might happen. <clears throat> and, of course, when you blend that with asking for wisdom for him to show you what to do, hey, you got life whooped by the tail, right? You got the tiger by the tail, and um, in most cases, you'll prevail. So. And you're going to find out that, uh, no, I'm not going to say that. There's just some times when your spouse doesn't agree with that. But um, Anyway, I'm fortunate enough to be married to, to a woman that has a lot of common sense. And then if I sit down and explain to her why I'm doing what I'm doing or why I want to do what I want to do, that she... She can process it. She's able to say, yeah, that's a good idea. And, you know, sometimes she'll come up with a but what if this, you know, and I have to listen to that. and I have to say, you know what? Yeah, you're right. You know, that could happen. And then we got to throw that into the mix and try to come up with a solution. But um, anyway, um, there's a reason why they call women or wives the help meet because they help us to meet our obligation of being the man that God wants us to be. So that having not been said, I'm running out of stuff to say and I'm making stuff up now. Um, That was not made up though. That was the truth. But if I go much longer, I'll be just talking to talk and I don't want to do that. So anyway, in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I bless you. And I um, just pray that you'll have a wonderful day. well, a wonderful day today. Oh, by the way, um, tonight we're going to be talking about um, current events, of course. How could we not talk about current events? But we're going to look into the – we've looked into this before. Um, the fact that CERN might be someday used to write write um, the tilt of the Earth to where we're at a zero-degree inclination with the sun – and that would unlock the key, the unlock the ball to where the fallen angels are all locked up and why there may be more than one CERN that they're not telling us about. In reality, there should be four. Um, there may be two right now. And uh, we'll look at where they may be and uh, what they could be used for. So, Anyway, you guys have a wonderful night, and um, we'll talk to you tomorrow. In the name of Yeshua, be blessed. Amen and amen.